Ladies and gentlemen, we're here. I'm part of the click, isn't everybody? <laughs> yes! 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 I, I got an idea, yeah. Peter John Cena! Give me a hell yeah! I pull a little bit of the bubbly. Too sweet! <laughs> <laughs> episode is scheduled for one fall, and it is for your listening pleasure. This is In The Click. What's up, everybody? Baby Huey here, and sitting right next to me is my brother, Tommy. How's it going, Tommy? I'm good. How are you doing? And joining us once again is our good brother from Pro Wrestling 101 on Instagram. It's Richard. How's it going, man? What do you care? I always care, man. We love you, man. Like you said, you're a good brother. You're a brother to uh, Tommy and I. So, yeah, we're always concerned about your well-being. You're a brother from Tommy's, another mother. Tommy's the only one that checks in on me during the week. Make sure I'm still alive. Does he ask you a bunch of questions as well? Well, he ask me what I'm wearing. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go along and those I, lines. And I tell yeah. him. Oh, there you go. He just yeah. wants to make sure that I'm bundled because it's cold. Yeah. Well, I see you got your uh, Terry Funk uh, shirt on right now. Your Funk, Funk you. you. I, I need to get that shirt. That's uh, one of the iconic uh, wrestling shirts of all time. Yeah. It's uh, and by right. the way, I love the video you sent the other day of uh, Terry Funk crashing a virtual like signing oh. for Stan Hansen. <laughs> yeah, I need, I need to post that. That was awesome. That, I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it's really funny. <laughs> well, it's a Stan. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's 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 so it's just Terry Funk. He's gray haired now, but he comes in with some jacket that Sylvester Stallone gave him. That was from, from Rocky, Rocky Four. <laughs> And he slams it down while Stan Hansen is doing a, a virtual interview or a, a signing. meet and greet. Signing, yeah. yeah. And he's just like, you see that? Sylvester Stallone gave me that jacket. <laughs> That's a pretty spot Do on. Do you have a person. jacket from Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> like, no. I don't think so. Stan Hansen's like, no, I know. I wasn't in the movie. <laughs> so going back and forth. I mean, imagine just sitting there and listening to the two of them have a conversation. I love it. Yeah. But like, you know, Terry two of my Funk, all-time favorites. Right God, how old is he? What, seventy-nine now? Uh, let's see. He was born nineteen forty-four, so that makes him seventy-six. Damn. <laughs> God damn. But just, I mean, think about it. He was taking chair shots to, in the head up until like what? Two thousand tens, maybe. <laughs> Damn. Anyway, it was just a hilarious video. But yeah, so Richard, if you post that, that I think all the clicks will get, get a click, uh, a click, a, a kick. And out Stan of Hansen, you know, he still looks pretty good in his early seventies. You know, yeah. Oh, you see his wrist though in there. He yeah. looks like he's got a baseball inside of his wrist from yeah. all the stiff lariats he's given. Yeah. Go oh back God. and watch it, Danny. Yeah. Okay. To go back and watch it because it's pretty gross. Just I didn't like notice his, that part. 
His his wrist looks like his elbows in his wrist, like that, yeah. the ball of your elbow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, oh I believe God. that, man. But no, it's it's two legends right there, and uh, no, it was very fun to see that. It's probably bigger than uh, when he uh, busted up Vader's eye. <laughs> and of course, I would love uh, to get their take on this current generation of uh, wrestlers and wrestling in general. And uh, I like to think that's a perfect segue into our little bit of a clickbait news. I want to get into this week so uh the undertaker making headlines this week so he just out of nowhere made an appearance on joe rogan's podcast this week which uh a lot of people were shocked and just surprised by it and but nonetheless uh, made for uh, uh, a pretty entertaining episode uh, a little under three hours long things like two hours and 45 minutes um i haven't had a chance to listen to it but i did see some comments online as for some people saying he didn't really say nothing too new that we haven't heard already versus uh, what he said on Stone Cold's podcast or uh, or uh, the WWE Network stuff. So uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I, I, nonetheless, I think it's probably a good move for Undertaker to be on uh, Joe Rogan shows, the biggest podcast in the world, and reach a whole new audience. And I'm sure for the new people that are listening for the first time, it's a lot of new stories, or it's new to them, I should say, those stories being heard. Uh, but the big thing that came from this that got a lot of fans just wild up and back and forth and, you know, Twitter went crazy. People leaving, you know, the keyboard warriors out there leaving their comments, mm-hmm. more or less. <laughs> Undertaker. Yucky. To sum it up, though, the, the big line that uh, he said that got a lot of people uh, all uh, uh, furious was he said Undertaker says the current WWE product is too soft and um, just to specify on that so here's an excerpt from it that I, I found online do you want to uh, do it in your tanker impression <laughs> I can't do a tanker voice well Richard can you do a rich, uh, Richard voice <laughs> I can't I just choose not to All right. can you do a tanker voice I can't well, I just choose not to <laughs> Well, see, I've had it like a. Te- I do a Texas accent. Howdy now, howdy, howdy. Well now, oh my God, you sound just like Ron Simmons. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but anyway, so here's the quote. Uh, this is what Undertaker said. As far as um, so you know, he was he was on Joe Rogan's podcast and give his thoughts on the current WWE product, and the response was you know was kind of negative, and so. Uh, he said, quote, in that era of guys too, men were men. You got into a dressing room today and it's a lot different. I remember walking to my first real dressing room. Half of them had knives and guns in their bags. S got handled then. Now you walk in and there's guys playing video games and effing making sure they look pretty. It's, it's evolution, I guess. I don't know what it is, but I just like those eras. Man, I liked when men were men. <laughs> and so I concur. So a lot yep. of people were reacting to this. And there was another quote that uh, uh, he said later on. Uh, let me see. Joe Rogan was asking you know, about the current product. And he was asking again, trouble for saying this. And um, he says, I try or. OK, so Joe Rogan said, do you enjoy WWE as a fan or are you too close to it? Undertaker responded, I try. It's tough right now for me because the product has changed so much. It's kind of soft, you know. Rogan then asked, are you going to get in trouble for saying that? Undertaker said, probably. I'll probably piss a lot of people off, but they need to hear it. It is what it is. But to the young guys, oh, here's a bitter old guy. I'm not bitter. I did my time. I'm good. I walked away when I when I wanted to walk away. 
You should have been saying that like 10 years ago. But anyway, I just think the product's a little soft. These guys here and there have an edge to them, but there's too many pretty and not enough substance, I think, I think right now. And there's, there's a lot more to it. There's a much bigger quote about it. And just to sum that part up, it was about how he thought during his era, like the prime years, like the Attitude Era, all these guys were coming up together at the same time. And then they just left and didn't probably, he feels maybe didn't do enough to help the next generation. I 100% agree with that. So, hundred. I've talked about that with wrestling buddies of mine for years because it's like, you think about it, Austin and Rock, just gone. You know, they weren't passing the torch to anyone. Triple H and Undertaker were really the only two that stuck, stuck around to do that on the big stage, you know, kind of scene because there was people that went to TNA, like, like Kevin Nash, Booker, Kurt Angle, so on and mm-hmm. so forth. But even then, Kurt Angle's still a rookie because he he what, debuted in '99. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like he's he's at an elite level, but he's not a veteran. Like it's it's kind of wild. Yeah. So uh, let me just look here at this quote here. As far as when you're talking about the veterans and stuff, um, I guess I mean it's interesting to think about this. Like, so there's a lot to break down here. Um, I guess let's first talk about. Just the concept of this generation is soft compared to like his generation. They are. <laughs> in, in what sense? How would you, what, what makes them softer now than like, you know, 20 years ago? Size, uh, okay. brawling. No <laughs> one can throw a, a punch anymore. Yes, I agree. So, on that. Uh, I mean, that got exposed last week when Triple H was throwing punches with Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. Like Triple H, no one has a punch that good. And Triple H wasn't a guy. 10, 15 years ago that you would say is one of the best punchers, but now you would because he's the last guy doing it. They all yeah. do like forearms now. Yeah. Into yeah. the neck. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett too and, as well. And, and, and that had been around. I mean, Ke- I don't remember seeing Kevin Nash throw a fist. I always remember seeing Kevin Nash throw a forearm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But um, I I think, I mean, if you, if you were to put someone at the same level, let's say Cesaro, in mm-hmm. a match with Rick Rude, you know, two kind of guys at the same kind of level, uh, Rick Rude would eat him up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, I mean, nothing against Cesaro, but like, mm-hmm. come on. When you're comparing people at the same level, you're losing to size. Like the high flying stuff, they can do all day, but like, it's kind of like when you see something done to Keith Lee now or. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walter, where you might do something high flying, but they're just gonna, or Samoa Joe, and they shove you off. Mm-hmm, like, yeah. like the guys back then were <clears throat> like the smallest guy back then would be like one of the bigger guys now. <laughs> yeah. Know? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Yeah. So okay, a couple things, and for the most part, I agree with Undertaker well, is sane, and they're I think- better. They are better athletes now. Yes. I just like like. He's, he's not saying that they're not. He's just saying that they were tougher guys, and they were. And I think to a certain extent, it's just how I think people who are current wrestlers or superstars, how they treat the business, how they go about uh, everyday life around the business and what they do in and out of the ring. It's just a whole lifestyle that's just different as far as what it means to be a wrestler in today's world versus back then. So I said, there's a lot to layer layers. I want to break down here real quick. So, okay. As far as, like I said, I agree with him to, to, for the most part, what he's saying. I think a lot of people are really misinterpreting 
some of his words and not understanding the full bigger picture of what he's trying to uh, say. He he's a guy that's been so close well, to the business well, for thirty even, years. Even if they're not mis misinterpreting what he's saying and they're still taking it to an defense, he has been in that locker room for thirty years. Yeah, so he's seen it change. You know, like I've heard other veterans, like Stone Cold, even say on podcasts that. Uh, the first thing, thing a wrestler will do now when they get back from a match is go to social media and check out what the feedback is, which mm-hmm. is just like, why? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like they don't they're not dictating to you if you're good or not. Like go talk social to, media is the worst place to go. To. Yeah. Go talk to your agent, your road agent or the, the producers or whoever, you know, help book the match. The whoever are like their quote managers or coaches behind the scenes. Ask them for feedback. Use them for that people who have been in the business a lot longer than you who've had that experience it can help maybe grow you into a better performer out there instead of reading comments of like i said clickboard clickboard warriors or people who never stepped in the ring before mm-hmm. and sure might have watched it for years but they don't know the true ins and out of the business and how to make it work so, they never took enough bump yeah so don't listen to don't read all the twitter twitter comments youtube comments or whatever dms to to kind of dictate how well you're doing in that in and out of the ring. So as far as okay, Undertaker, I could see how some people might get upset because they say, Oh, you know, he's just an older guy back in his day who thinks his his era was better than the current product. No, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's, he's at the tail end. Think about this. He's at the tail end of the eighties. Yeah. Like when all big. the biggest stars from the eighties are coming through. Mm-hmm. Like and those are the biggest stars of wrestling ever. Yeah. Yeah. He then transitions into the new era, the attitude era, the ruthless aggression era. He has seen more eras of wrestlers because if you think about it, from the thirties to the late seventies, mm-hmm. wrestling is the same everywhere. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So when it changes is the eighties and then the nineties and the two thousands and the two thousand tens, and he's been a part of the change eras mm-hmm. of wrestling. Yeah. So he has more, and he was a part of the older era. Mm-hmm. He came up in USWA and WCCW. So mm-hmm. it's he's seen it all. So for for, for care, a couple things though. So like initially when I heard him say soft, I'm thinking, well, I think to a certain extent, and when he said people are more pretty today. I mean, I, part of me is like, well, yeah, I think today's wrestlers, as you said, Richard, they're better athletes today. They're better, like as far as athleticism in the ring, bell to bell, are much better. And so, therefore, they take better care of their bodies and whatnot. So, if you look at someone from like the, the bodies of the majority of the wrestlers today versus bodies from the eighties, it's night and day as far as just these big, you know, heavy set dudes who just Hulky throw guys. yeah, throw haymakers versus the more ripped and cut performers today who do like CrossFit and all that crazy stuff. So, mm-hmm. so I, for me, it's like you look at it back then; those guys in the eighties and stuff who were, you know, not in the best shape, who party pretty hard and die at a young age. And also at the same time, uh, um, <laughs> uh, you know, like, like they look much older than for their age versus guys yeah. today who take better care of themselves, who look young. I mean, you know, the best examples like Earthquake, who in his Earthquake late- or uh, um, the Godwins. Yeah. If you look like- at the Godwins in WWE. E or F mm-hmm. at the time. They're in their 20s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but like Earthquake, like when he made his like initial first run, he was in his late 20s, but he looked like he was 45 years old. Yeah. And and I, I think that uh, the best point was like, I think someone said like, uh, like AJ Styles, he, you know, how great he looks at uh, what was he 42, 43 now? Yeah. So it just, it's, well, it, 
I think I think you also can look at it as them being pretty because they don't have scars, you know, from yeah. from blading or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 just way yeah, how WWE treats their talent as far as uh, the, the the way they kind of perform in the ring, and you know, like no more headshots and the blading, all that stuff. Yeah, that's a good point as well. But also, you got to think about in today's world. I think WWE, ever since they really went public, you know, from a, a business standpoint, I remember, God, who was it that told me? But uh, when they went public as a company, it was kind of like a mandate for all WWE superstars to start dressing better when doing public appearances and really how they conduct themselves. You know, back in the day, like in the 90s, you see all these guys wearing jeans and, uh, you know, uh, fanny packs and like a cutoff sleeve shirt, you know, going to walking out in public. Now, today, a lot of superstars are expected to wear suits and be clean and cut and all that stuff. And so that's part of the, just the evolution of the business from a business standpoint. And you got social media and more public appearances. So, you know, they got to probably have, you know, better tanning and dress themselves better, you know, do all the workout stuff. And so, I mean, that's where I think, sure, you know, if you're someone that's older and came up in that more gritty, you know, back in the day, you see these guys today and they all look, look like a bunch of pussies to me. Well, it's just, just that's how what's expected of them as WWE superstar today. So that's, I mean, one excuse I'm trying to he's, explain. He was, but he's been there through it. it yeah, I, exactly. I you know, so it's not, it's not new. He's just saying what it is. He's, yeah. he's laying it out the truth. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's one thing I think for Taker, um, Maybe, I don't know if he fully understands that, maybe kind of the expectations from WWE superstars today of why they kind of conduct stuff. But, but I will say this, what Taker, to a certain extent, about the video games and stuff. Now, granted, I'd rather have WWE superstars play video games and maybe goof around doing that type of stuff than doing some of the bad, crazy things they were doing in the 80s that would really hurt their bodies. But at let, same- me, let, me, let me turn this around on you. Okay. How would your coworkers act if you started playing video games at work you brought your console and you're playing at work um i mean they'll be like well, why are you not doing your actual job no 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 i, I mean like if, when you've got some downtime are, are they gonna oh. think oh my god like what the hell does he think he's doing like he's acting like a child <laughs> that's how i look at it like, yeah, like yeah. i would get butchered for doing that at my job yeah yeah absolutely and i think most people will uh but i think you know in wwe you know, a lot of these superstars are making a lot of money being video game personalities now and and all that stuff. But no, but what I'm trying to get at is I think to a certain extent what take or what I agree with, I think a lot of these superstars don't take the wrestling business serious enough and focus their attention on too many other avenues instead of taking the wrestling aspect or as a whole more serious um case in point is uh you know ethan page from impact wrestling or formerly of impact wrestling now i remember in more in the last like six months like his stock has really gone up in the last like six months with the success of the more well since he got into really good shape yeah since he got in shape the north were so successful title runs and he was doing like a lot of other stuff twitch and youtube vlogging and a lot of stuff and i remember him he was really serious about saying like you know i'm julian this is julian this is not ethan page he was going by his you know his um his you know actual name his shoot name and so for me he he, that's the thing and that's why i was kind of taken back like Like, well like wrestlers can't like 
the, so the the Undertaker. It took him thirty years to break his character. Like yeah. even 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 though I'm not watching him anymore, I know I can still see his tweets from time to time. But um, MJF never breaks character. Yeah. So that that's what I'm leading to. That's a great example. So for me, what I'm getting at with Ethan Page, what kind like as much as I love him as a performer as a wrestler, he really. Once he leaves the arena, he really separates himself as just Julian and all these other avenues. So he he just more or less says wrestling is just his job. And that kind of hurts me a little bit that he doesn't take, it seems, the business as seriously as like an undertaker. Yeah. Well, look at look at uh, another good example before he got uh, called out for all of his other exploits Mm -hmm. is uh, Joey Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, who who is the king of sleaze and putting dick uh, lollipops in people's mouths, and then the second he's on Twitter, he's talking about how this is an art and this is an art form and we're playing characters and it's acting and it's like, yeah. this is why you're not signed anywhere. So, <laughs> so and and that's where I do agree with Untanker as far as these guys are concerned about their look and presentation outside of the ring and not focusing enough on the actual wrestling business. So I do agree with him there that like, and that's like I said, Ethan page or Joey Ryan, you said are examples where it's like when they're outside of the ring, well, they're concerned about other aspects of their life and not taking the business completely serious as other people have like an MJF. And the worst offender to me, the one that that's offended me the most with it. And this is before he went to AEW is Jericho. And it's mm-hmm. not because of his books. It's his podcast. He had, mm. He had uh, Kenny Omega and Don Callis on immediately mm. after that match, the first match he had. In New Japan. Them. And they yeah. exposed how they, this whole thing came about. And it was yeah. just like, why are you doing this right now? Yeah. Like, like this is, this is, no. I was shocked by that house. You know, I love Chris Jericho, but I was shocked. Like, literally, like, less than a week after that match, they broke down the whole thing in, like, how Don Cows put this together. And I was yeah. like, whoa, because I love the emotion and the buildup for that match, the back and forth, the backstage like press conferences and them fighting. I loved all of it. And then, yeah, like a few days later, like, oh, yeah, we, you know, we're friends. We, we, we wanted to do this together. It sterilizes like, it. It sterilizes it. Yeah. So it's like all that great emotion was like gone like that. Yeah. So so that's where I do agree with the other tanker, how I think not enough people take the business serious enough and do all these other aspects like you know listen i i I love i mean i have no problem people will go make your money go make as much money as you can at your most popular point in your career your peak of your career but i don't know have a little more respect for the overall business you should yeah and you should always be thinking about your character another one for instance would be four four or five years ago uh i remember wwe took a trip to europe and a bunch of the wrestlers went to the roman coliseum Mm -hmm. and took selfies together <laughs> yeah, it was a bunch of people that were feuding, like the the whole yeah. Wyatt family with yeah. all the Shield guys and a couple other people. Yep, and it's just like, aren't these guys feuding right now? Yeah, and then no. they're they're posting it on social media, and it's like, uh, this is one of those photos that needs to be saved for much later. I know, and that's but, the thing, like Kay, like Undertaker, like I always will respect how seriously took Kayfabe, and I'm with you, like. These social media really kills kayfabe. All these guys and gals who are feuding are really like best friends outside the ring, and and it kind of hurts a little bit. Like like it just for me from my emotional involvement, and that's what makes wrestling so much different versus any other entertainment show out there. It, it, it it's there, that's the one industry where people 
expect the person on TV to be the same person out on the street versus you know any other TV shows. An actor can be this character yeah. on a TV show, but when they're on the well, street, they, they're their normal selves. And, and Undertaker's come from that world of kayfabe so much so where he he knows wrestlers like Roddy Piper who got stabbed or yeah. uh, shot at or you know the, it, while they were protecting the character. And that, I'm glad you brought that up. And I remember, I think it was a Stone Cold's pot, no, or uh, Jake Roberts. I think it was on Joe Rogan. He said, like, kind of the reason why they had to carry weapons is because yeah. the fans were crazy and would yeah. attack them because mm-hmm. yeah. they took their character so seriously. Mm-hmm. So I think partly of the the weapons in the bag comment, I think, is kind of maybe loosely connected to that. So have, I have you heard the story of Mister uh, Wrestling Tim Woods? No, no, go on. So, so he was in the the famous airplane crash that johnny valentine and rick flair was in okay oh yeah and he was a baby face on an airplane with heels oh okay i know what you're going yeah go ahead go ahead yeah so he messed up his back real good flair Mm -hmm. broke his back johnny valentine broke his back and was became a paraplegic from this Mm. and someone else was on there that's escaping my mind but passed away and um because mr wrestling was trying to keep kayfabe he had to check himself out of the hospital and go wrestle the same night yes. that he had an airplane accident to protect that he wasn't really the guy on the plane, even though with, he was. With these guys that he was feuding with or, yep. or, or yeah, it's like, I mean, that's an undertaker. Like, 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 and I'm not, I'm not saying by any means that, that guys today should go that far, but what I'm saying is that there were people that went that far to protect what they have, and then these guys just throw it away for social media likes. Yeah, and that's the other thing too is, is I think a lot of these guys who try to be pretty, it's kind of weird. Like these tough guys, and then yet they take all these poses and selfies on Instagram, or whatever, and them in these high fashion suits, and they're posing with each other, trying to be like models and stuff. And I'm like, I mean, I I look at them I'm like, come on, like I expect you guys to be these badasses in and out of the ring. You guys all like this. This is the pose that they need to do. That's it. <laughs> Just arms crossed. That's like it. they don't want it. They they don't want the photo to be taken, but they have to take the photo. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's kind of one thing about social media is I don't want to say specific things, but there's some guys I follow and I'm like I look at their you know photos lately and it's like. Man, you guys, like, I mean, imagine, yeah, Terry Funk or something would slap the S out of them with someone, how they conduct themselves out of the ring. So I get that. Uh, the one last thing I want to touch on is, so as far as Taker says, it's like everyone aging out and could they have done more to help the next generation? Because the next generation were just working with their other peers and trying to figure things out, how to, how to, you know, keep the business moving along. I mean, part of me is like, yeah, sure, they all kind of aged out and they were gone. Do you think maybe they should have done more as far as, uh, you know, putting other talent, younger talent over or... or Yes, yes, 100% yes. But then, but is that ultimately he, their fault or is that just the booking? And like, I, for example, Vince McMahon... No, that, that I, I don't decision. blame the booking because the booking was still good when they were leaving or getting let go. Okay. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not even close because like so many guys just left and went to TNA because of the lighter schedule and they got a guaranteed money. Yeah. And you know, look, look at AJ styles. He was there throughout all of those guys going there and he picked up everything from them. And he's probably the best active wrestler alive on the planet right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think in terms of WWE, they lost that, that 
bit because they were building up the newer stars. So, you know, they still had Undertaker, Kane, Big Show, Mark Henry. Um, who else? From, <laughs> like from, the, from the Ruthless Aggression era? Like Attitude Era holdouts through the, the Ruthless Aggression oh, era. Oh, I mean, like, yeah, Triple H. Uh, if you, look, look, we lost Rock. We lost Austin. We lost Eddie early and we lost Benoit early and those yeah. were supposed to be the guys after or Eddie and Benoit and Jericho, were like the Jericho two. took time off as well Jericho took time off Booker T Kevin Nash Kurt they Angle they, yeah. they went to TNA so Sting, it's like Sting was in TNA the whole time yeah yeah so then okay. then the guys that are left are like John Cena John Cena bored the hell out of me until probably Bray Wyatt coming around Really? So even yeah. Thugonomics and oh no no CM Punk that's CM Punk. okay CM Punk yeah yeah okay yeah. yeah and you know it's just kind of like you you're like it's funny that people complain now that WWE has all these old guys around and and they do these Legends Night but it's like for ten years they didn't do that at all <laughs> and it's ten years it's probably ten years that people like weren't tuning in as often yeah so I, I guess for me my big thing is okay. If if Undertaker feels that maybe not enough of his peers from the Attitude Era did enough to help the next generation, okay, you got the performance center now, and he did compliment Triple H for the work he's been doing, trying to help him and Shawn Michaels and what they're doing at the performance center, trying to help groom the next generation that we see on NXT and stuff. I I, I, I don't know what it would take, but you know, have Undertaker, have Stone Cold, have some of these other guys come. You know, be like guest coaches or something, but like have more. But see, that's the thing. I so that's why I'm surprised Undertaker didn't acknowledge that with Joe Rogan. Be like, hey, you know, I have done some guest appearances there, so I'm trying to do my part and help them. Not necessarily in the ring, like a one-on-one match in front of a crowd, but like behind the scenes, I'm trying to pass on my knowledge. So I, I, that's something I wish Undertaker would maybe explain more. And Joe Rogan, he doesn't know all that, and he wasn't going to go into that conversation, no, that part of the conversation. Nor does he care. Yeah, exactly. So that's something I think a lot of people who were criticizing Taker, it's like keep in mind that they do have you know guest speakers who come to the performance center and help out. So I mean, they are doing their part as far as trying to you well, know be a coach. <laughs> And if you and if you are critical of the Undertaker, what the hell do you know? You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. like, what's your experience in the locker room? Yeah, yeah. And so, and and like I said, I mean, and the, and the other thing too is think about it. This can what Undertaker is saying can be applied to all the other different sports out there. Yeah. I mean, think about it. the athletes today: NFL, NBA, NHL, uh, 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 baseball, MLB like their locker rooms and how they they conduct themselves and what's treated to them Tommy what you said the very luxurious lifestyle that yeah. they all lead but it's I different than, this, it's different than the 70s and 80s yeah and i would say the same thing for those sports compared to sports today yeah yeah like it's it's hilarious to me when people try to compare basketball today to the bulls in the 90s it's or the like Pistons in the eighties. Exactly. Lakers it's just like Lakers like, and Celtics. The eighties. You've 80s. got no clue what you're talking about when you say that. You're just saying that, but you didn't live it. <laughs> I mean, the, the NBA players today, like on defense, you can barely touch them. That's why these guys are just yeah. throwing up all these shots, scoring all these points. But back in the day, like in the eighties, brawls. Guys were getting clothesline coming down the lane. Yeah. And they were just yeah. trying to 
fight their way to, to yeah. box out to get a Dennis, rebound or whatever, you know. Dennis Rodman's whole persona was to psych you out. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So so what Undertaker is saying could easily apply to other sports and how they didn't have the same luxury lifestyle people today do, athletes do today versus back in the 70s, 80s, which made them probably feel a lot more tougher and grittier and really go out there and earn every single thing that comes their way mm-hmm. versus today where it seems like a lot of things given to them and therefore well, your mentality <laughs> becomes a little bit softer in, in many ways as well. You expect the all this problem, the guaranteed stuff. Probably the lowest person on the totem pole as a wrestler in WWE now probably makes double what they made in the, the 90s for the, someone in the same position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I saw a list of um, um, oh God, of the different salaries right now of some of the top stars. It's shocking. I mean, I imagine what these guys made today versus yeah, what they made in the nineties. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, like Shawn in, Michaels. I, inflation. I, I know, I know that counts, but like something, The Rock made something like a million dollars in nineteen ninety nine. Wow. I don't remember where. I think it was his book, his first book. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like, wow. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I guess ultimately to sum it all up is we agree with Undertaker as far as I think a lot of the wrestlers don't treat the business as serious as they once did back in the day. Now, as far as the more greedy guys, I think just athletes today do a better job taking care of themselves and rightfully so we want them to have long living healthy lives but at the same time with that being said you're having such a great life now you know put it put it back into the wrestling business and make it more tougher and aggressive again so like i said it's very subjective but i think undertaker has so much great knowledge in his brain that i would love to see him just keep passing it on paying it forward to this next generation hopefully turn the tie and here how about this conspiracy theory what happened if Tanker said this as a way just to get the locker room going? Like, I'm not, I'm hypothetical. What happened if someone like Vince or something told him, like, hey, you're going to do this interview? Say this, and that will get my locker room, my roster, you know, amped could up be. again. It I'm just saying, be, hypothetical. I, it's conspiracy theory. I, I, at the same time, I think there's a fair amount of people that probably took, like, in the locker room that took offense to it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, <laughs> you watch the other show. Yeah. Uh, Look at look at who their trainers are. Arn Anderson, Dean, Dean Malenko, Malenko, Jerry Lynn. Who else is there? Um, um, I mean, Tolly Blanchard's there as a manager. Tolly Blanchard, Dustin Rhodes, mm-hmm. uh, just uh, 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 Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah, Jake's there. Think, yeah. When you watch that show, do you think they're taking direction from them, or do you think that they're giving them information that they're probably not going to use? Because what does the old man know about re- modern wrestling? I would love, to, I would hope, like someone like Lance Archer, who's being managed by Jake the Snake right now, I would hope, now I know they're not traveling as much, they're all stuck in Jacksonville with their weekly shows, but I would hope maybe during the day before they start recording at night, I would hope and I would imagine Lance Archer is during this whole time period over the last year picking Jake's brain for every single thing he can think of. Or- Doesn't he lose every week? Um, he's, he's kind of being rebuilt as a dominant monster again, but as a baby face now, but he was losing for a little bit, but so anyway, that, that I would hope like FTR who are being managed by Tolly Blanchard. I hope they are picking Tolly Blanchard's brain and Arn Anderson also there in the backstage area, picking their but, brain. But, but those, those are WWE guys. They don't need that kind of coach. True. Yeah. Cause they, they've already gotten a lot of that already for their years. Uh, but yeah, I would hope someone like a Jungle Boy or 
you know, some of the younger talent on the roster are taking advantage of these these veterans back there and, and pick their brain. So, no, does, I, it, does it look like they do? Honestly, <sighs> yes or no? Honest answer. I mean, some of the storylines, no. I think some of the storylines are very convoluted and there's a lot of plot holes. Matches, though, when they're agenting the matches, because the, each match has an agent. The guys um, that I just listed as their agents, does it look like that it, this is a well-put-together thing? It's still like a very indie-style matches. Yeah. So they're yeah. not listening to them. Not compl- so they're, they're yeah. probably getting direction. And I'm not saying WWE doesn't do this, too, because you, you see this on WWE a fair amount. Mm-hmm. There's some stuff we'll get into in this episode that I'll <laughs> yeah. I'll speak on. because okay. uh, Yeah. So, no, but nonetheless, like you said, overall... Um, I loved kind of you know what Tanker had to said, and hopefully that will get some uh, a light of fire in some people's asses, and you know maybe hopefully kind of change the landscape of pro wrestling. Hopefully this will create like a wave long term. So it 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 makes you wonder how many of these guys would actually, if they were allowed to, would actually blade if they had the opportunity. If it was okay, like you know, it's, it was yeah. an okay thing. Uh, no, my like the Miz. No, I got a movie yeah. to shoot. Yeah, Morrison. No, no, not my pretty face. All right, you can't take it. So, anyway, no, it it, it it makes for a great conversation. Just makes you kind of think about just the business as a whole. So, we'll see how this all plays out over the course of the next year and whatnot. So, all right, let's move on over to this week in WWE TV. First up, Monday Night Raw, and right out of the gates, the first scene of Raw this week was Randy Orton, or I should say. A luchador version of Randy Mr. Wrestling Mr. number two. No, that's Mr. Wrestling number three. <laughs> number three. Okay. Number three. Yeah. Randy Orton in like a white mask, and you see yeah. like little uh, burnt that... red marks under him. Or Dr. X. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, Richard, your thoughts on this promo here? Long. It was long. It was long. long. Yeah. Now, for me, I. Okay. I respect. I tuned out after a while, so I'll let you yeah. speak on this. Okay, no, like, yeah, I had it on Monday, and, you know, it was kind of long. I was like, he's still talking? Now, to sum it up, the message here, as far as, okay, he showed compassion and restraint and didn't light Alexa Bliss on fire when he had the chance to do a couple weeks ago, but in doing so, the following week, he got a fireball to the face. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, he kind of justified, like, he's upset. I don't blame her. Yeah, but he's like upset, you know, that you know he he had the opportunity to do this and he he didn't, and in doing so, it led to him getting a ball, uh, you know, a, a fireball to the face, and then ultimately he said he's still going to enter the Royal Rumble match and he's still going to fight. So nonetheless, it just shows that, that the fiend has changed Randy Orton. He's starting to show compassion. Um, let me ask you this: Do you think the fiend is going to cost Randy Orton his Royal Rumble spot? Like somehow he's gonna be the one to eliminate him. Probably, I would think so. Like, I would it be kind of cool if make you know Randy Orton's in there, maybe eliminates a bunch of people. Then the next number is like the Fiend. He comes in. The the only my only problem with it with saying yes to this is I feel like there's a few storylines like that uh, at this year's Royal Rumble that I could see, and I don't think that they're gonna do more than one. Uh, 
to further a story like that. So yeah. So I just I I, I I could see the lights going out and the fiend thing happening and someone just tossing Randy over and there's no sign of the fiend. Oh, so it could be like just a, 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 a distraction. Yeah, exactly. So okay, I can see that. No, no, I, I appreciate Randy Orton as far as really taking the character seriously and throwing the mask on. I wonder how long he's gonna wrestle with the mask on for though, to really sell the burn burn injury or burn marks and it's probably gonna be a few months. <laughs> It's gonna be like was Undertaker. Undertaker had the mask on. For oh the yeah. Time, so, yeah. Um, like fan of the opera. Now here's the question: If Randy Orton was true old school, because you know he's been around for a minute now, I wonder if he wears the mask outside of uh, Tropicana Field. <laughs> like, does he wear it no. to the airport where he <laughs> travels to from St. Louis every week? So. Let's let's see Randy Orton outside of. Well, the- you're assuming he actually lives in St. Louis. <laughs> he lives in Florida. He lives in Florida. Yeah, he's got a home in Florida. Well, he can d- drive home in a mask. <laughs> yeah, everyone's wearing masks right now. Yeah, <laughs> he has a full. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see how this goes. But I I enjoyed like as far as really setting the scene. That his face was, you know, burnt up pretty badly. He has to wear a full blown mask now. But yeah, though the promo did run a little long, and I'm like, mm-hmm. come on, wrap this up. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, okay. Now, as far as like, okay, let's just talk about Charlotte Flair, and then I have my thoughts about Oscar and Alexa Bliss. We'll save that towards the end. Yeah. Okay, Charlotte Flair. She's having a one on one match with Peyton Royce. Uh, Peyton Royce is, I guess, kind of tag team partner. Uh, Lacey Evans comes out wearing Ric Flair's robe and just kind of throws a distraction. Like, Lacey shakes, like, how'd you get that robe? Like, where'd she get <laughs> So, um, Charlotte Flair still defeats Peyton Royce, but ultimately the story here is Lacey Evans is wearing Ric Flair, Charlotte's dad's robe, and rubbing it in. And later on in the night, we see Charlotte Flair cut a promo saying she spent years trying to separate herself from her dad's legacy and try to build her own, you know, career. Lacey Evans comes right in and she's totally embracing being like Ric Flair's. I don't know what you want to call it. I don't love her. Maybe it's not the right word, but like apprentice learning from she says she's Lacey says she's learning from Ric Flair yeah oh I'm sure Ric Flair could teach her a thing or two <laughs> so so I mean what do you think about the psychology that Lacey is doing here it's classic like, wrestling yeah you know you, you've you've turned someone important uh it's no different than um Dusty and uh uh who's the what was her name the baby doll baby doll no no in WWF Dusty Rose. Uh, um, uh, what, what time period? When Dusty was Sapphire. in WWE. Sapphire. Sapphire. Yeah. Baby when uh, when no. Ted DiBiase paid Sapphire away from Dusty. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, you know, it's, it's an emotional thing. It's just kind of like it makes you hate Lacey that much more. Yeah. Because it's like, gosh, that she she's, you know, used uh, Charlotte's father to mess with charlotte's mind and it's yeah. like you know it's not like charlotte's the raw champion so it's it's really more vindictive than like trying to get a belt off of somebody and that's what i'll just tease this right now as far as when we lead to the main event it's just kind of frustrating that this episode you have the women's tag team champions oscar and charlotte but they were never seen on screen together as all not 
not being shown as a unified team. They got separate storylines right now versus maybe well, having their own storyline, which well, I know you could uh, feel that way, you know, earlier in the week. But then we see on Friday why we got to see them again. True. OK, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get just put that on hold for a sec. So, but anyway, like I said, I'm just a little frustrated that the tag titles I feel like are not getting enough attention, at least on Raw. I am now granted when I first saw Raw and then now jump ahead to SmackDown. SmackDown, at least they're getting some love there, which we'll touch on a little bit. So anyway, um, now listen, we saw Mace defeat Xavier Woods. So Xavier Woods, poor Xavier, he's getting beat up by Retribution. I just want to say my main thing was. The promo before the match, Mustafa Ali says he hopes Kofi's jaw injury keeps him out through WrestleMania and therefore is payback to what happened to him a couple years ago. Remember, Kofi Mania took place because Mustafa Ali got injured from Randy Orton. Kofi was the replacement in the Elimination Chamber and had that great performance and then led to the Kofi Mania build to uh, his match against Daniel Bryan. Let me ask you this. Do you want to see maybe uh, a Mustafa Ali-Kofi feud once he's healthy and could that be maybe a big wrestlemania match there i don't know about wrestlemania but i think it'd be a good match because i Uh, think that's a story hasn't been told yet as far as mustafa ali he's had this grudge against kofi for the last two years that his career could have been what kofi is but because of injury and stuff it, 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 it was preventing him from doing that so i think that could be something really cool that's the easter egg right there what could coming up between the two of them whenever Kofi gets healed up. So Xavier Woods is going to take a beating for uh, probably for a couple of weeks until Z- or the Kofi's healthy again. So anyway, something to keep track of. Um, now, next up, a segment that I was kind of, uh, I didn't think it didn't hit a uh, home run was Asuka visiting Alexa Bliss's play, Alexa Bliss's pra- playground. Um, so we see, yeah, Alexa Bliss, you know, had her playground set up in the ring. Asuka comes in. They're going back and forth. Asuka was like all playful. Like, yeah, she wanted to be there. I, I, I think I know why you, you weren't so into it. Cause I, I felt the same way. I think Alexa Bliss's tone changed to the angry. Don't sit there. That kind of threw me off where she's like, I wouldn't sit there if I were you. That would have been better. Yeah. And so Asuka is like trying to be playful and want to sit down and swing next to Alexa Bliss. And she's like, yeah, don't sit there. He, that's his spot. And then she starts talking into like an invisible friend, a.k.a. the fiend, Bray Wyatt. For me, Asuka is the Raw Women's Champion. She's one half of the Tag Team Champion. She's arguably the most dominant female performer in the last five years. I just don't like how she's being treated like kind of scared of Alexa Bliss a little bit. I don't know. Like, I feel like she should be a little more dominant and be like, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, I'm leaving. Or, you know what I mean? Like, from a character standpoint, Asuka, she is the badass warrior of this women's division. Doesn't mean that she can't get freaked out by something. Yeah, I just... I mean, if you think about it, there's baggage that comes with Alexa Bliss and the fact that Asuka doesn't know if the lights go out. Is the Fiend going to be there and grab her the same way he grabbed Alexa Bliss. Yeah. So it, it, I think I think you need to take it for what it is. I mean, at the same time, like you get under the giants afraid of a snake. The biggest <laughs> man on the planet's afraid of a, a snake. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So like with Alexa, at least, you know, there's like something a little bit more. And I think when you're looking at Alexa, you also need to be thinking about the fiend and what the fiend in terms of punishment can take. 
Yeah. Uh, we don't we don't know where this Alexa Bliss is yet. This is the first we've seen her in the ring like this. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting how this plays out. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of touch on more of that with the main event. So that when I was a little bit worried about what we saw here, how it was going to play into the main event, and it kind of did. So uh, also we saw Shayna Baszler defeat Mandy Rose. Nye was on that, commentary. That, that was a titillating match. <laughs> Okay, I did not see. Okay, those of I, you who know, no, I did not see it, and so I, I, I gotta go look again, double check again. I got you covered. Okay, thank you. So, um, but uh, you know, Naya and, and Shana were talking as far as like their big plan now is like, okay, Charlotte is busy with Lacey Evans, Oscar's busy with Alexa Bliss. They're kind of dysfunctional right now as tag champions, so they want to go after the tag titles again and get their rematch. So. Okay, we'll see how this plays out with them. Um, and then, uh, let's see. We see AJ Styles take on Ricochet. Easily match of the night. Am I right, Richard, here? AJ that Styles. Was, that was phenomenal, no pun intended. <laughs> I mean, just the back and forth. And finally, let Ricochet just kind of do his thing out there. And AJ catch him <sighs> and lay the finisher on him. Yeah, that was great. that was a great finish. R- R- Ricochet needs a mouthpiece, desperately. He is so bad on a microphone. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, that's the thing. He, he I love like, his entering work. I loved him in Lucha Underground. But yep. dear Lord, is he stale on on the microphone? Oh wow, yeah, no, I, I definitely, um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I see what you say about that. Okay, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, but yeah, Ricochet, he is such an amazing athlete. Going back to our comments about our discussion with Undertaker. He had he's such an amazing athlete. What he could do in the ring, not a lot of people can do, and it's so good. And do you think he he has the majority of the whole package? But what is he missing? Yeah, maybe a mouthpiece could really help him. It, it's um, he's below indie level on the mic. He's he's really terrible on the microphone. And that's something like, you know, maybe these older veterans could help work out with him. I don't know. Like I, like going back to what we talked about earlier with older veterans from the Attitude Era, could they come in and help teach a promo to Ricochet and kind of really get it out of him? I don't know. But he anyway, would be he would be a good addition to the Hurt business. That that could be. Well, and that's a great point you uh brought we'll, we'll, we'll touch on real quick. Uh uh so a segment that I actually laughed even though Miz and Morrison are kind of getting on my nerves a little bit, we had the dirt sheet. They brought, <laughs> they brought out Gilbert, which, wait, first off, just glad to see Gilbert is doing okay. Remember, he had a heart attack last year. So I'm just glad he's doing okay. And then they bring out a phony Drew McIntyre, who was actually played by actor David Crumholtz. Because I he was, was on the deuce. Yeah, I was watching. I was like, this guy looks familiar. Is this the guy that was in that movie Life with Mikey with Michael J. Fox yeah. and all the Santa Claus but, movies, Harold Kumar, Numbers? He, he, he's like one of the main stars for The Deuce on HBO with James Franco, Maggie yeah. Gyllenhaal, and uh, James Gandolfini's son. I, I was watching. I was like, that guy looks familiar. Is that him? Yeah. And, but I didn't realize, you know, hey, I'm a big guy myself, but he's, you know, he's a little bit, bit thicker right now. So I, I, was, I think he's he's done that for a role because he gained a bunch of weight for the deuce. And then the okay. second season of the deuce, he lost like he was the skinniest guy you've seen. Gotcha. OK, so, OK, for acting cool. But I laughed way he likes he was trying to say the line and he stops like, you want to do it again? He's like, no, yeah. we're live. <laughs> Where'd you get this guy? New Jersey. 
And Morrison was so great here. Morrison, like, I, I love Morrison, and he's such an amazing performer. You know with, him. Yeah, and I've done events with Morrison, him. Without Morrison, these these segments would sink. Yeah, like, I really want Morrison to get a good singles run on his own. Like, I do I, think I, he's... I think it's coming, especially with his wife as a free agent. Yeah, and I, I, I do speculate Taya's probably going to sign with WWE. She should. Yeah. Um, so with Morrison, like, I really think he could be like a champion, WWE champion, if, if booked correctly. But, but it was just stuff like Morrison really makes these segments fun and he saves them for the most part. So anyway, I'm just, uh, I, I love the segment. I thought it was really funny. And just Gilbert going, <laughs> even like in the background. <laughs> It just was funny. So, well, he's just getting over a heart attack. He had a heart attack in December or yeah. November. Oh, no, so I'm, I'm so happy that he's doing okay now. So it's uh, no, it's great stuff there. Wow, that is some great stuff right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 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 so talking about the hurt business earlier on, there was that botch. <laughs> Remember, Bobby Lashley stopped Riddle's foot, but he was like a yeah. foot away from his yeah. foot. Yeah, it was so bad. Like, could they recut that or reshoot that? No. Nope. So bad. We're live, pal. Riddle's like, ah, and he's like, dude, you didn't touch your foot. Anyway, so you have the match of the Hurt Business taking on Riddle and the Lucha Brothers. So do you think Cedric is going to get kicked out of the Hurt Business soon? Because he kept tagging himself in. And I'm like, what's going on here? How can you have dysfunction already when you got the majority of the, ti- the titles on Raw? It, it could just be, I mean, look, look at the other guys. He's the youngest guy in the group. He so needs to be sure. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if they jumped him or something and taught him a lesson and lesson learned. Or maybe but do a switch such, with Ricochet. It's such a hot group right now. I don't think that they're going to touch it. I, I know. It's like it's like it, you're teasing this. So is something going to happen or not? Because I don't want them to break up already. They're so good as it is. They're still a fresh foursome right there i don't want them to mess with the hurt business keep it as it is i don't like that they're already having uh dysfunction already amongst the the four of them so anyway uh we see jeff Hardy defeat jackson Riker when elias interfered um i don't know is elias Riker? this thing's probably i don't know how long this is gonna last for as well yeah no yeah. no comment yeah anyway <laughs> all right so we jump to the main event alexa bliss taking on raw women's champion oscar um we see the match start the, like the lights go out, uh, and then the setting of the Thunderdome is different. Got the purple lights. Oscar, a whole different outfit. She looks possessed. Oscar is like throwing a bunch of action at her or, or, or offense towards her. Alexa is no selling any of it. Ultimately, she was she was using Miyagi karate the whole time. <laughs> exactly, it was all defensive. So she ultimately uh, uh, defeats Alexa Bliss. Or excuse me, defeats Oscar. And, um, and, and, you know, uh, uh, defeats Oscar, defeats the Raw Women's Champion cleanly, and then the lights go back off, and then she morphs back into her regular self again. So, man, like, guys, like, I, I was a little bummed because I was like, I love Oscar, and she got manhandled here by Alexa Bliss, who was like possessed, I guess, by the fiend or her alter ego. But, I don't know. But we've seen this. I, I don't, I think. Don't worry, number one, because we've seen this with the fiend. He ate he ate up Finn Balor. He ate up Seth Rollins. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just you know it's just some storytelling. It's one week. 
Well, okay, let me ask you uh, this. Plus, plus, Asuka's not going to, like, uh, babyface champions are not supposed to hold the belts that long forever because you're more invested in them chasing the belts than holding the belt. Yeah, that's true. But Alexa Bliss announced herself for the Women's Royal Rumble. Do you consider her a strong favorite now? No. Do you think if she turns into possess mode or alter ego personality, like, could she go on a tear in the Royal Rumble match now? I don't know because we don't really know what this is. I think it's possible we see some sort of fiend version of uh, Alexa Bliss enter the Royal Rumble. Okay. That'd be that'd be pretty cool if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, so I uh, we'll wait and see, but yet um but yeah, no, here we are on the road to Royal Rumble this, next weekend. This, yeah. this is also a match that involves Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair. So Yeah. I, yeah, I don't yeah. I don't see Alexa Bliss easily throwing both of them over. I just like you said, I'm just concerned that Asuka is getting jobbed out to Alexa Bliss's character and then the women's tag titles are just on the back burner. While Asuka and Charlotte have their separate storylines instead of kind of unified and being together. Even if Asuka is jobbing out to Alexa Bliss, Alexa Bliss is a very decorated champion, so I wouldn't consider it jobbing out. <sighs> I just it's love just Asuka. not the person that you want to see winning. I love is Asuka. the problem. <laughs> I know. Uh, all right. Let's move on over to Wednesday night for NXT. And the majority of this night, which is about the Dusty Classic or the Dusty Tournament with the men's and women's uh, uh, first rounds uh, moving along. So opening match here, we see Leon Ruff and Kushida take on the way. Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory. Great match here. I like the finish, though. As far as Kushida, like really capturing Johnny with his arms, like trapped behind him and stretching him out for the submission hold there. Uh, I was kind of shocked. I really thought the way might like go to the finals in this tournament. I was really shocked that Leon Ruff and Kushida, the underdogs, won here. I like uh, two things. I like Austin Theory in short pants. Yes, um, much better. Yeah. And. Every time I see Leon Ruff, he seems to impress me. So I, I can say now I am a Leon Ruff fan. That that springboard or whatever it was, that cutter he did, mm-hmm. was just ridiculous. Theory's tights remind me of, like, Jeff Jarrett in WCW in 2000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking uh, Shane Slap. Helms. Shane Helms, too. Yeah. Slap nuts. When, when he, when he <laughs> was uh, heel Shane Helms in WWE. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you think Austin Theory, his character is much better now ever since he's been aligning himself with Johnny Gargano? Yes. Yeah, I'm with you, too. I think it's a lot better. I was really hoping that they were going to maybe win this and kind of, you know, use it as their, uh, like, look look what we did here. We won the North American Championship. We won the tournament. So I was super shocked. Like I said, uh, for all your March Madness fans out there, it was total... Uh, bracket buster right there already to kick off the show. Uh, a couple things I just want to lump together. Pete Dunn cuts a promo, says he's going to go after Finn Balor. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Finn Balor, we see, go see William Regal, and he wants to challenge Pete Dunn for uh, you know a title match. Or, excuse me, he's, a, he, he's down to fight Pete Dunn and put the title on the line. William Regal, or uh, Pete, and Finn Balor also said he wants to take out uh, uh, Oni Lorkin and Danny Birch first cut off the arms before you go after the head. That is Pete Dunn. William Regal's like, well, you can't do it alone. You need a tag partner. He's like, well, I have no friends here. And he said, you know, look at your enemies. And more or less to paraphrase, he says, the enemy of your enemy is your friend. So I think a lot of people start assuming, okay, 
Kyle O'Reilly should be the one to help him because they both have a common interest here. They both have beef with those three guys. Then later on in the night, we see uh, Finn Balor enter Undisputed Era's locker room. <laughs> it was like they were staring at each other. It was a lot of dead air yeah. in yeah. between. They're all staring at each other. But ultimately, Finn Balor said uh, to, to uh, Kyle O'Reilly, you in? He's like, yeah, I'm in. But, but I just liked uh, uh, Roderick Strong's body language and the way he was talking. He's like, Hey, man. He's like, he reminded me of like a, a bully from like the 50s or whatever. His yeah. his, his demeanor, yeah. his attitude, you know? It's, they're all we don't like, like motorcycle. your kind around here, man. Yeah, they're, they're like the motorcycle greasers that you see from like old televisions. Yes. Yes. White shirts, <laughs> yes. blue jeans, leather jackets. Yeah. <laughs> Do yeah. I, which With the cigarette, the cigarettes yeah. rolled up on their sleeves. Hey, yeah. man. <laughs> so anyway, th- this is going to be good. I cannot wait. Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly taking on... Uh yeah, uh, uh Oni Lorkin, Danny Birch in a match coming up soon, so that's gonna be awesome. Um, we see Karrion Cross a, a squash match against uh, Ashanti Theodonis. I I mean I enjoyed this as far as keep it simple for Karrion Cross in the ring. Yeah, squash match. You got to rebuild him as a dominant force because we know while Finn Balor eventually is probably gonna have a match with Pete Dunne at some point. Probably at the next takeover. Yeah, and then probably Finn probably going to retain there. And then probably Karrion's going to be the next one to go after Finn Balor. Yeah. So this is just Karrion Cross biding his time. Am I well, right, Richard? I I think I think for Karrion, you've got a couple of things coming up for him. Because okay. it looks like after he squashed, what was the guy's name? Uh, let's see, uh, uh, Ashanti Theodonis, or Ashanti Adonis. Yeah. yeah, then after the match, he goes after his tag team partner, which was really violent. Yeah. It was right. great. Yeah. But but also we see, and I, I'm, I'm sorry to jump ahead, but I, I noticed this, I don't know if you probably noticed it too, uh, Escobar mm, uh, yes, was, poking, yes. was, was taking shots yes. at uh, Karrion Cross. Yeah. So... I wouldn't be a hundred percent surprised to see Karrion Cross uh, focus on him, not his belt, but just him in general. Well, let, let's go ahead to touch on that real quick. So, yeah, uh, Santos Escobar comes out with the other two guys from uh, Legado del Fantasma, mm-hmm. and yeah, I liked his promo. He called out all the other champions. His in English, NXT. his English has really gotten good. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's. I really enjoyed this promo because that that was tr- a tremendous promo for because, English speaking people in gen- as well. So, but as far as calling out all the other champions in recent months, as far as he's been the one consistent dominant champion for the respected title that he holds, because he yeah he said you know we have guys here who have curses and can't like retain their championships when defending them we have guys here who get injured and can't defend it the uh, their fo- the following match so like Karen Cross and Finn Balor got so it's like he was taking shots at all these other guys on the NXT roster without saying names but i really love this this promo here and then um uh, who was it came out after um Oh, um, the, the Lucha fight. House Party Lucha and House Party. Uh, yeah. someone named Stallion. St- Kurt Stallion. Kurt that's Stallion. Right. Yeah, yeah. And From 205 so, Live. Yeah, I don't know much about that guy other than, yeah, 205 Live. So it's going to be a I, match, I think, mm-hmm. next week. He, mm-hmm. he looks like he, he works in uh, Silicon Valley. Yeah. <laughs> or people looks, joke that he looks kind of like Heath Slater a little bit, <laughs> you know? Like, like a deflated Heath Slater. Yeah. Right. But that's a great promo. Like, I like. A heelish personality, a heelish champion yeah. 
who explains why he is the best at what he does and calls out other people, his peers. But it was so clear. And he really took actual events in NXT's well, last six and months. What, and what genuinely pisses people off the most is when the, they're doing a promo like that and they're right. They're not yeah. embellishing and they're not lying. Yeah. He wasn't saying anything that was not true. It's all ha- this yeah. all happened. Johnny always had the curse of losing the title and defending it. Uh, um, Finn and Karen got hurt. Um, did he say anything about the tag titles? I can't remember off the top of my head if he said anything. But no. anyway, no, great stuff there. Love that. Uh, but speaking of Lucha House Party, uh, great match taken on Imperium for oh, another yeah. first round they, match for the Dusty Classic. They're killing they are it right on, now. Yeah, they're they're like like where where have these guys been? I know like, catering and raw or yeah, snack. but yeah. like holy crap, are they good right now? Yeah, and Monte I hope Dorado they stay and, on NXT and El Grand Manalik. Yeah, but well, I match- mean, even, even the Monroe was really good this oh, week. Yeah yeah, 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 with Matt Riddle. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't. I guess it's them dropping Kalisto. Like he really, weekly got SmackDown. Seriously, where's Seriously. he been? He hasn't been on SmackDown in ages. Who cares? He's been teasing going to the other place. Yes. No, this is great. This great match here. I love the different styles. Imperium, you know, more grounded, uh, hard hitting. Well, Matt Lucha House Par- wrestling. Yeah, I, Lucha House I, Party are fl- you're high flying, high flying Lucha think, Libre style. I think they need to get some different music. Something that takes yeah. a, a little more serious because that music was the one that Kalisto and Sin Cara used in NXT. Yeah. yeah. And it's just kind yeah. of like neither one of those guys are in that group anymore. So why are you using the same music? Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good point. I really wish, yeah, change it up. It's it to kind of maybe rebrand them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're seriously like they're one of the best acts in, in WWE right now, I'd say. Yeah. But I mean, I love how they do. They took out one of the guys in Imperium outside the ring. And then um, I believe it was um, um, uh, was it Fabian Eichner. Fabian Eichner was outside, and yeah. the other guy with hair, Marcel uh, Barthel. He was in the ring, and then uh, 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 Grand Mantelik. Was it Grand Mantelik? That's, oh, that's so, uh, Springboard Hurricane Rana. Oh yeah, my God, yes, yes, dude! And yes. just a finisher. Oh, yes. so good. It was, and a, they won Grand clean. Mantelik. Yeah, they yeah. won clean. I was like, yeah. wow, they won clean. And, those yeah. are, and, and both those teams are great tag teams. So it's like. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, like that was a really enjoyable match. But I think was. a lot of people were assuming Imperium is gonna win, former NXT champions, mm-hmm. tag team champions. There was uh, a strong favorite going uh, Yeah, in. another uh bracket buster. I think it was Beth yeah. Phoenix who was in house uh on this episode of NXT, which was cool to see her in person. Yeah. Um yeah, she gave a great speech. Yeah, uh, so when, jo- when they got into the uh, women's dusty class. Yeah. So, uh, but I was going to say, she called out Wade Barrett. Cause like, he's like, Oh, my bracket is totally ruined now. Yeah. So that was cool. But so anyway, Tommy brought up a good point to me, uh, before I watched it. So, uh, the guys in the walking up the ramp as yeah, they lost the match. And, and then, uh, out of nowhere comes Alexander Wolf. And everyone was shocked to see him there. And they're like, he, isn't he? Yeah. And they were just kind of just bowing to him. Yeah, they do just, the pose. They're embracing him. And so, Richard, what do you think this means? Do you think Walter is coming to America or he's calling them to bring them back to NXT UK? That's, maybe that's what I think. No idea. No idea. Do for you this have a pre- one. I mean, I love like the tag like team division. I'd like to see Walter NXT. there. <laughs> I'd like to see Walter there, but at the same time, what's Walter really going to do there? Like, Walter has the same problem coming here. As he, he has over there. And it's the problem is that he's not on WWE Raw or SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. I think he's they're better off just going back to the UK. I mean, I think deep down, it's probably a way to bring them back 
to NXT UK. Yeah. And because they were seen on that restart episode of NXT UK, they were on the screen. I remember all the tag teams coming to the ring and they all were going to fight for it. So, you know, Imperium did acknowledge that they want those NXT tag, ti- NXT UK tag titles. Yeah. So I would love to see them go back and get them and then really yeah. dominate Imperium as, I, or fill out them as yes. all champions. Yes. But, but they're so good. I like seeing them on NXT Prime. And it, but then again, they have a lot of tag teams right now doing yeah. their thing. So I don't know. I mean, I would love to see Walter come to America and maybe start something for the next takeover. I think he will eventually, probably by the summer, maybe. Yeah. I'd like to see him in the Royal Rumble. Yeah. Mm, that but, would be badass. Maybe next year. Maybe <laughs> oh, next year. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. Next up, yes, yeah, so we saw uh, Beth Phoenix cut a great promo with William Regal on the ramp, just, you know, kicking off the 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 women's version of the Dusty Rhodes classic, tag, tag team cla- classic. Tag team classic. Uh, but no, great stuff. I, I love how she acknowledged all the alumni part of the women's evolution yep. over the years. Yep. Pretty much just all the top women stars you see on Raw and SmackDown now. So that right was now, great yeah. stuff. Uh, but yeah, we saw Casey uh, and Kate. Canizaro and Caden Carter. Yeah, take on Tony Storm. Is it Carter? Kate, yeah. Uh, dude, another is, upset here. This mm-hmm. is a, a tremendous match. Mm-hmm. It was, and I'm so happy for Casey and Kaden because they are a legit like tag team as way as far as the way they present themselves over the last year. Well, that, they're friends. Uh, they're a tag team. They don't do a lot of single stuff anymore, right? I, now. I don't. I've I've never seen, and I don't know what to call that move that Katanzaro did at the end. Uh, let me see what WWE.com has it listed as. It was like a, was like a 450 leg guillotine leg drop of some sort. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, she hit a jaw. This is what WWE.com says. Jaw dropping, twi- twisting senton yeah. off the top row to make good on her team's promise to pull off the huge upset. So, okay, twisting senton. Twisting I don't know how, how many spins was that. Though, but, I don't know. That was nuts. It's a tongue twister. That was a great finish there. Upset. I mean, of course, Io Shirai did uh, help out in a way. <laughs> yeah, take out Mercedes Martinez, get some payback for what she did to her a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, big upset here. I'm super happy for them as baby faces, a legit tag team in this tournament. So I thought they were going to lose first round with that matchup. But Tony Storm, former NXT UK I, women's I like- champion. I like Tony Storm's promo early in the show. It was really good uh, heel promo. Do you think Tony Storm? She's trying to be like a female she, Shawn Michaels now. Yeah, she's in that kind of awkward stage that Bailey was in when Bailey first turned heel. So she's trying Adjusting. to find it. She's okay. trying to find her inner heel. Okay, I, I think she's getting there. It's, yeah. Oh yeah, she's going to be good. Like I'm glad for the heel turn. It gives her a little more cur- uh, uh, opportunity to be more charismatic. So, um, all right, you see uh, Tyler Russ take on Bronson Reed earlier in the night. We saw Tyler Russ uh, come out of William Regal's office before Malcolm Bivens could meet him, uh, and he said, "I made this match." And then Malcolm Bivens was like, "Well, you should have asked me. Like, I don't think we should have gone this route." Uh, but he's like, "All right." We'll do this. So I kind of like Malcolm Bivens. It's like, okay, you kind of went behind my back, but I'll still embrace this match here. Um, solid match here. Bronson Reed ultimately get the victory. And, you know, f- good for him. He needs to keep that, uh, uh, you know, momentum going. I want Bronson Reed to go after the North American title. Which I think they're going to go for. Because they do have a story there with Johnny. Because he was in that ladder match yes, back he over was. the summer. Mm-hmm. I just wish Bronson Reed gets that, get rid of that little, like, no. Toy thing around no. his neck. No, I like that. Muda what? had that. Muda had that. Yeah. 
It's an homage to the great Muda. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did not like this. I thought it was too long. I think Bronson Reed should, should have squashed him in a minute's time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, the end is him having the lesson learned. You should have gone through your management. Like Wade Barrett said, that's why you have the management. So I think he should have been overzealous and just got squashed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. well, I'll be curious to see. Like Malcolm Bivens says, all right. We'll go back to the drawing board and figure this out. So I wonder if there's going to be any repercussions for uh, for Tyler Russ for going behind his manager's back to get this match going. So, all right, let's go ahead to main event time, fight pit time. Timothy Thatcher, Tomasa Champa, dude, what a match! I Badass. loved it. I loved right, it. right, Richard. Yeah. yeah, this it was perfectly timed. Like this this was not as long as I thought it was going to be, but it was pleasantly shorter. Uh, than I thought it was going to be. I, I love... Okay, so let's just real quick compare. So this is only the second one. The first one was Thatcher and Riddle last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. That was at full sale. This one was inside the Performance Center or the... Capital Wrestling, Wrestling Center. What do you think of the setup this year or this setting as far as like they had the lights were a little bit different. It was kind of like uh, going down on it, lights well, around the, the There wasn't the much yeah, changes it, to it. it yeah, I mean, uh, Kurt Angle wasn't in this one. So yeah, that one. <laughs> that's right. Okay, that's right. He was the ref in that one. That's right. Yeah, uh, I like I like that it didn't feel like they had to use the entire space. They left a lot of room for future uh, fight pit matches. Be creative. They really, yeah. they they got up on the the ramp. They probably they, they wrestled on half of the ramp or fought on half of the ramp. Yeah, then went into the pit and then got bossed in the corner mm-hmm. and yeah. hit the submission. Yeah, it was simple. It was really well done. Yeah, I like how. Yeah, they both walk up the steps and start yeah. up top, mm-hmm. and you know, brawl it out up there, and yeah. then eventually during the commercial break, the picture in picture, that's when they both drop down yeah. to the actual ring. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, I like how they used the cage, all aspects of it. But yeah, really using the corner and the finish though, with Champa trapped is one leg trapped inside yeah. the poles. And then Thatcher taking the other one for the what's like what Big E uses the um, muffler muffler yeah, it's a stretch muffler. Hold. But Tommy, as you said, he like took both hands and then squeezed yeah his yeah. leg because I remember Boss Rutten when he was in Pancrase he used something similar where he grabbed the guy's neck and the guy's leg and he crossed he grabbed his hands yeah. together and just squeezed the guy into submission and then you know Tampa immediately tapped out because that was his uh surgically repaired knee so it made sense from just a story standpoint yeah and the fight pit continues to be a beauty of brutal stipulation and both guys just look like beast in there yeah and then i enjoy afterwards they're just staring each other down and then that year he was like pointing to his neck or Mm -hmm. did did you know what that mean it meant at all that's where he was injured the week before oh I was like, okay. That I had was no the idea. weakness. That was the weakness. Well, because he couldn't raise his arms up. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it, but there was a WWE.com exclusive. First video, uh, Chapo was in the backstage area. He was with the trainer, and he said, no damage here. You should be fine. We'll get some ice. But he mentioned, hey, Ashanti Adonis got injured with his match with Karrion Cross. So him and his partner are out of the Dusty tournament. So there's an opening. And you see Champa just thinking. And later on, you see Thatcher leaving the arena. Bear, his arm's still hurting. Champa comes up and says, "Hey, uh, why didn't you, you know, break my leg when you had the opportunity?" He said, "Respect." 
Because, you know, Thatcher, he's always about... They kept mentioning in the beginning of the match, uh, taking liberties, taking liberties. So you thought Thatcher was going to be, like, really ruthless, bloody, you know, no holds barred. But he showed restraint against Ciampa because of uh, respect. And then, then Ciampa said, hey, there's an opening in the Dusty Classic. You want you want in? And he kind of shook his head and walked off. And then, sure enough, it was official. They're a tag team. And they had their match on actually 205 Live this week. Yeah, I, I, need, to, I'm, I need to catch up on that. Yeah, I want to watch that, too. So, But they won. So they're moving on in the Dusty Classic already. So is it is it because just out of respect, they beat the crap out of each other over a couple matches. Now they're going to be tagged. Tar- like, yes. Are you cool with that? Yeah, that's what they did with the bar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Best so. of seven led to them becoming a tag team. Yeah. So that's great. I'm all for that. I mean, they're both kind of similar styles as well. So it's good stuff. So looking forward to what they can do. All right. Oh, and do you think they are favorites now to maybe win this whole thing? I don't know. I mean, this is this is such a competitive tournament right, right now. I still so. like the Grizzly Young veterans. <laughs> I, this, is, this is the the most competitive Dusty classic they've done thus far. Exactly. So it's going to be really good stuff. All right. Last but not least, Friday Night SmackDown. Uh, we saw Roman Reigns come out, cut out another promo. I love this promo, Richard, as far as he's speaking. It took the first 15, 20 minutes of the show to get past video packages and promos. <laughs> I know. It took a long time to get some matches going. Yeah. But I like the delivery here as far as he's still he's talking, but he's not shouting. And he's delivering a menacing message here and i like that about him and that's about this character work ultimately paul Heyman jumps on the microphone and you know says adam pierce is a puss for not uh, for getting out of the match having kevin owens come in and ultimately challenges adam pierce to a match later in the night so uh and we'll talk more about the finish there uh but yeah going back to earlier when i did say i was a little worried that the women's tag titles were not getting enough attention on raw Keep in mind, they do go from brand to brand. We see Oscar and Charlotte show up stellar, on SmackDown. Stellar tag team match. Yeah, they actually defeat the Riot Squad, but as you said, great match here. It was not title, but yeah, Billy Kay, once again, dressed like a little bit of a punk rocker as best she could. Um, gets like involved. Levine. Yeah, cuts uh, or, or uh, costs the Riot Squad the, the match. Yeah. They had the promo backstage, and she's like, well, you know, I'll help you guys. You're both in the Royal Rumble match. I'll help you, you know, do well in that. Like, she's like, she's really sorry, and she's trying to make good on this, but Riot Squad said, nah, we're, we're done with you. Peace. So, I feel so bad for Billy Kay now. I know. I know. Like, I hope maybe, you know, I'm like, how can they fix this? How can... Billy Kay win back Riot Squad's trust, so that's something to look forward to. I think I think she needs to update her resume. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Um, we see uh, Daniel Bryan come out talking about the Royal Rumble. He wants a rematch with Cesaro, but Cesaro more or less said, "Like I beat you already. I'm not going to challenge you again." Which is great as a heel. He's like, "I won already. I don't need to do this again." Um, he says, "I'd rather face someone else." Dolph Ziggler comes out and challenges him. Great match here between Dolph and uh, Cesaro here. I mean, I was ha- I was happy to see these two go at it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was. Uh, I mean, shit. Look at them; they're, they're both phenomenal athletes. So exactly. It's just yeah. Ridiculous. And then uh, next up, we saw Sasha Banks take on Reginald, who's uh, so Somalia. Is that the term right for Carmella? Yeah, you, you got it. Okay. So um, so. Uh, 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 this match here, what do you think of this match here? Sasha Banks taking on Reginald in an intergender match. I hated it. 
Why, Jade? Yeah. Uh, number one, <laughs> I am not a fan of intergender wrestling whatsoever okay. in any way, shape, or form. Um, this looked like two Americans practicing lucha libre. <laughs> It like this, this example, felt like something yeah. that you would see at the performance center, not televised. Our yeah. buddy Kenny texted me. Uh, he said uh, he thought it was way too choreographed. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, I mean, didn't. I didn't care for it. I, I mean, yeah. I, 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 th- this I, is why I couldn't get behind the the Tessa Blanchard, Sammy Callahan thing from Impact because I was mm. kind of chiming in on that, and then until I saw like some back. Stage brawl between the two of them, and it felt like I hit this, then move this way, then duck this way. Like it, it's all too crisp looking. Like they've mm-hmm. gone over it too many times. Yeah, it, it was like really smooth, like too smooth yeah. to be like a, a grudge. Yeah, yeah. but Reginald, that, I get- that that goes back to what I I said earlier with the Undertaker being right about certain things. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is part of it. It's like. It is too clean looking. It doesn't. It takes you out of your suspension of disbelief at mm-hmm. that point. That these people hate each other and want to beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. but yes. you can tell that they've been spending all day with each other working this thing out. It was extremely choreographed and scripted out. But I guess Reginald, I think Corey Graves mentioned that he used to work actual Cirque du Soleil. Cirque du Soleil. So that kind He's of very explain. athletic, but yeah, very ballerina like. I mean, I I don't care. (laughs) So anyway, I mean, it's probably going to be... Can I I take a body slam from Bruiser Brody? (laughs) Or Terry Funk? Yeah. (laughs) A pile driver from Terry Funk? Yeah. Yeah. But so it's probably going to lead Sasha Banks to uh, take on Carmella at Royal Rumble, if I had to guess. So anyway, we'll see. Yeah, that's... uh, It's so hard to pick things for the Royal Rumble because... You know, there's these people that you want to see have matches, but there's also like, well, if they're in a match, they're probably not going to be in the Rumble match. So yeah. it's like, damn it. Yeah. But I mean, you know, from them, like Carmella, I think she'd rather have a chance to go for the title that night instead of going through 29 other competitors. So I, I get that. But, um, but no, anyway, yeah, no, it was extremely choreographed. Like, okay, like I respect the athleticism and how smooth everything was, but then I'm like, this is way too non-believable so i'm with you it was way too over the top choreographed um all right next up we saw biggie against paulo cruz unfortunately no contest for the ic title but still a great match though yeah paulo's paulo's hitting his stride right now it's really nice to see and also we saw Sami Zayn earlier tonight handcuff himself to uh to the uh, uh to the ring wall uh, uh barricade barricade earlier tonight protesting. I like his protesting. So I like how throughout the night wrestlers keep walking by him and he's out there he's protesting with his sign. So, you know, the conspiracy theory, but uh he un- unhandcuffs himself and interferes in the match. So, do you think I guess it's going to lead to what, a triple threat at Royal Rumble now. That's what I'm ultimately assuming. Cause, Probably. Because Sammy's saying he had that great triple threat match with AJ and Jeff at was it SummerSlam, so maybe they want to try to recreate that magic. That's my guess of why they're probably going to do that. And so, uh, next up, probably the least entertaining, boring match of the night, King Corbin taking on Dominic Mysterio. Yeah. King See, Corbin I, dominated. Yeah, but I think that's good. Because, like, look, Dominic has had a, like, dream run so far. Yeah. He's he's had these great matches with this person, that person. He's not going to have those every night. And I think that's what this was. 
just kind of like, hey, get used to this because you're going to have a lot more of these coming up. Well, then, so after he loses, he's talking to his dad, and his dad's like, follow, trust me. But he didn't. So what happened to, like, this mystery person that they were going to get help him out? Is it, is it we dropped dead? Well, see, that's the thing. It's like they didn't acknowledge it still. So I, w- I was wondering. I hope it's not dead in the water. I no. Hope that- no. I hope they still bring it back. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But do you think after this storyline, do you think Dominic, I don't know if I asked this already to you, do you think Dominic needs to go to NXT and just be his own thing down there? No. If, if he stays with his dad, because I do know that Ray wants to win the tag team titles with Dominic, you can get a lot of learning out of just tagging with someone with more experience. I mean, that's, you know, going back to our conversation about, the ruthless aggression era taking a backseat because a lot of the guys from the attitude era left had a lot of the guys from the attitude era left and, and tagged with some of the newer guys coming up or, you know, they would have got that rub from uh, the more experienced person. So shit. I mean, his dad's Ray Mysterio. Yeah. And if you're going to wrestle Lucha Libre, who better to tag with? Yeah. Well, speaking of tag titles, also street profits, they wanted a rematch. Sonya Deville said, no, Let's other tag teams get a chance. You rest your leg. You have a leg injury. I don't want you wrestled now. It wasn't and, a fan of that. Really? Hmm. You're not. You're not. I was kind of like, okay, I thought, fresh, I thought fresh was, matchups. I thought it was really lame that Sonya Deville said that you're two time Slammy Award winners. That should mean something. And it's like, doesn't mean shit. <laughs> they shouldn't get a title match because they won Slammy Awards. Yeah. Like, how is that any different than, hey, you won a Nickelodeon award. You deserve a title match. Like, what? No. No. I mean, I guess the one bright side is like, okay, maybe we're going to get some fresh matchups with the SmackDown tag ties with with the Dirty Dogs, Ziggler and Rude. But it's like, what other tag teams do you have to take to challenge them? That's the problem. The tag division on SmackDown Raw are very thin. So it's like, okay, I respect, like, okay, you're you're going to sit this one out. I don't want you to get re-hurt. But, like, who else are you going to have to kind of, you know, kill time until Street Profits heal up? and Otis challenge? and Gable. I guess. Which, which, okay. Oh, I forgot to mention that. So Bianca Belair defeats Bailey in that Ultimate Athlete Obstacle Course Challenge. Hmm. I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I, wish, I enjoyed it. I thought it was yeah. very entertaining. I ho- yeah. I was hoping it was going to be pre-recorded elsewhere outside of the venue, um, and that way they could kind of really have fun with the editing and make it really funny. But Where, where are they going to have it at? The Capitol Wrestling Center? I don't know. Center? Somewhere. But but yeah. it, I, I enjoyed it. Bailey, which I was like surprised how slow she was taking the whole thing. But then Bianca, she's like, we're going to EST it and like add the yeah, extra. I like, love that. And she dominated it. Yes. I know. So it's like when, when Bailey thought she was going to get one over, like as a heel over Bianca Belair, the baby face, Bianca still crushed it. And I laugh when, when Chad Gable said, no, nah, uh, I'm not going to be the one you're going to have to, I'm not the one you have to carry. Um, Otis. Otis comes out. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but Bianca, she had no problem lifting him. She like, picked damn. him up with that, with ease. Damn. I can only imagine. Does Bianca carry Montez Ford around the house too? Like probably easily throws him. Around. He's probably into yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, I thought that was great. It turned out really great. I mean, those segments can go wrong very quickly. This one was handled very well. So, well, props and, to them. And, 
And then Bailey jumps her afterwards, throws a basketball in her stomach and just starts pounding her. It was great. And exactly. I'm like, okay, bam, this is going to lead to a match finally, like a proper, like it's been a nice slow burn. I know they had one match. She, she did it perfectly where if you were looking at Bailey's face, she looks embarrassed that she lost Mm -hmm. the way she lost. Yeah. So like when she has her outburst, she just looks like a brat. Exactly. Like yeah. it, it wasn't. It wasn't like she had planned that the whole time. It was mm-hmm. like, it was just like, oh my god, I just lost. Like f this. Yeah. And then attack. Yeah. So it, great stuff. Character building for both of them. So it's gonna be good. All right. Last but not least, uh, I guess you can call it main event or or the last segment of the night. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we think it's gonna be Adam Pierce taking on Paul Heyman. Adam Pierce comes out, you know, with uh, you know those uh, sweatpants, sweatpants, and. His WWE tracksuit takes it off. He's still, he's still, you know, buffed up. Uh, former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Scrap Iron. Paul Heyman comes out. He starts putting tape on his hands. I'm like, oh crap! Paul Heyman ready to throw down? Get a little ECW vibe out of him. He's wearing his suit. I know that was the only thing. It was like, oh, the suit's obvious. He's not going to actually do anything. Starts walking up steps. Like, oh, my knee. He falls, and he's like, oh, I can't wrestle. So it's just you know returning the favor to uh, Adam Pierce. Roman Reigns comes out, and uh, this is my replacement replacement for Paul Heyman. If, if you ever want to see a really bad match, go on the WWE Network and look up Paul Heyman versus Jim Cornette in a tuxedo match. Yes. It's the worst thing you'll ever see. Yes, this is way back in, what, 1989? This was what, Clash of the Champions or whatever it was? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Just I know what you're talking about. blubbery people, like... <laughs> Girl fighting in the middle of the ring. Trying Cornette to address has talked about this so many times on his podcast about this, how bad this match Cat was. Fight! Cat fight! So, um, Roman Reigns comes out and he's laying into uh, Adam Pierce. I think Adam Pierce got one shot in. I was kind of hoping he was going to get a few more shots in. The kind of yeah. I was yeah. kind of hoping that, but you know, Roman just dominates and then he takes it outside, goes back alongside the Thunderdome screens, but then sure enough. Kevin Owens makes the save. We see the promo earlier tonight where he's like says, I can't he's doing like a selfie video. He's like, I can't they won't allow me into the arena. Uh Paul Heyman pulled some strings, but he talks about the the tattoos on his fingers or his uh, knuckles. Each are the initials of both his grandfather and both his mom and dad's side and wish he they were alive to see him succeed in WWE. I thought it was a great promo. I just wish it was in front of an audience or in front of Roman to really sell it home. I gotta say, WWE has really done a good job of making me want to see Kevin Owens beat Roman Reigns for the belt. Right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, Kevin Owens comes in, makes the save, and starts beating the crap out of <laughs> Roman. Yeah. Like Roman hasn't got his ass kicked too much but since he's great. been back. But yeah, he uh, pop up power bombs him on the table, and yeah. Kevin Multiple is standing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Kevin Owens is standing tall at the end of SmackDown. I. I mean, I, I, I highly doubt Kevin's going to win the Universal title at Royal Rumble. But as you said, it's really they're doing a great job building up that emotional attachment to Kevin Owens. that really believe that he's going to beat the crap out of Roman Reigns here. And I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Good stuff here. So, all right. Great episodes of uh, WWE TV this week. Once again, a lot of entertaining stuff. All right. On that note, let's go home. Richard, where can all the clicks just find you online? All the clickbaiters can find me at Pro Wrestling 101 on Instagram. And on Twitter, you can find me nowhere. <laughs> Damn it. 
<laughs> All right, then. <laughs> All right, Todd, where the clicks can find you? Well, you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at IronFist1982. I'm Baby Huey. Follow me on Facebook at Baby Huey Official, Twitter and Instagram at Baby Huey83. Subscribe to In the Click on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcasts, all the major podcast platforms. Email us in the click at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And on that note, let's go home. And that's the bottom line because Huey said so.